Mission Mobilization Chats with Ryan Shaw, Multiplying Mission Mobilization Movements. This podcast is powered by Global Mission Mobilization Initiative. Subscribe, watch, and listen on YouTube today. Find more exciting resources, teachings, and tools for mission mobilization on globalmmi.net. All right, so here we are. We are excited about launching the Mission Mobilization Chats podcast. So as the very, very first episode, it's necessary for us to focus on the foundational element, actually, of all mission mobilization. So in this very first chat, we're going to highlight the topic of mission mobilization rooted in abandoned devotion for Jesus. Mission mobilization rooted in abandoned devotion for Jesus. So let's go back a little bit. Let's look at the world situation that we find ourselves in right now. So right now there's uh, over 7.8 billion people that are on the planet right now. And about a third of these, or 2.6 billion people, are in the category of what we call unreached or unengaged people groups. Now this means that they're part of an ethnic people group that has less than 2% of their population that are born again believers. And so missiologists have done all this research and they've come to the conclusion that if the population of believers uh, within an unreached or within any ethnic people group for that matter is below 2% of the total population of the ethnic people then missiologists have said this is a threshold under 2% it's going to be very difficult for that body of Christ among that ethnic people group to reach their own people with the gospel of Christ over 2% it's a little bit easier for they themselves to reach their own ethnic people with the love of Jesus. Under 2%, it's much more difficult. They need outside resources in terms of message bearers. That's an alternative term that we use uh, for missionaries. So they need uh, message bearers and message bearer teams that are coming in to help them uh, reach their own people. So 2.6 billion people on the planet are in that category of being in an unreached or unengaged people group. And we know the church, us, the body of Christ, from every nation going out to every nation, we are actually the vehicle of Jesus to reach all these ethnic people groups. So God has put it uh, into the church's DNA and called us with the mandate of the Great Commission. He said, I want you guys, you as the global church, every local church uh, across my global body, I want you engaged in sending out message bearers and message bearer teams in order to plant vibrant, spirit-filled wholehearted churches that are within 15 minutes of a walking distance uh, for every person on the planet. 15 minute walking distance for every person on the planet, seeing churches established. So we know that Jesus gave the global church this beautiful mandate of the Great Commission. This is what we are meant to be prioritizing between his first and his second coming. So this is what we are meant to be focused on uh, as the body of Christ. Now, we need to ask ourselves the question, how are we going to accomplish this? 
this big thing that we talk a lot about uh, in GMMI circles, this fulfillment of the Great Commission in this generation, this mandate Jesus has given us. How is it going to be accomplished? What does it need in order uh, to be realized? So is it merely us working harder? Some people believe, well, if I just, if the church can just work real hard for God, we'll accomplish the Great Commission. I don't think that's the Lord heart, the Lord's heart. How about strategizing better? Yeah, we definitely need more strategy, uh, but the Lord says, no, it's not only about strategy. So it's not just working harder. It's not just strategizing better. How about receiving more training? We could always use more training, right? We need to understand culture better. We need to understand religions better. We need to understand the gospel better and how to have bridges uh, to these ethnic people groups that are from very different backgrounds that we might come from. Yes, we need that. But is that really what's going to uh, help us to propel towards the fulfillment? Maybe a little bit, but not all by itself. How about praying more? Yes, of course, we need to be seeking God and interceding for all the ethnic peoples on the whole planet. And we in GMMI circles, we spend a lot of time in, uh, in uh, intercession and prayer for global harvest, for seeing the gospel uh, sent out among all the unreached people groups. And so all of these have a role to play. All these are a part of the big picture, but they don't actually substitute our very, very first priority. And that's what we're talking about uh, in this episode. So, you know, as a mobilizer, I often get asked why I think more believers are not being mobilized for the Great Commission. And I always come back to this core issue of what I believe is our failure to root mission mobilization in this idea of abandoned devotion to Jesus. So let's look in Scripture a little bit. So in the letters to the seven churches, you remember in uh, Revelation chapter 2 and 3, Jesus gives seven very direct messages to seven churches. And for me, these are actually quite personal because I used to live in the nation of Turkey. And all seven of, the, actually this, this mug here is from Turkey, all seven of the letters to the seven churches happen in what is today modern day Turkey. Okay, so I've been to all seven of these. I've crawled around with my kids on the ruins. I've studied why Jesus said the specific things to these churches that he did. And I've seen the context, even in the geography of where these churches are, that speak to why Jesus spoke to them as he did. So these seven letters are very important. And Jesus is highlighting, actually, in several of these letters, this very core issue of what we're talking about today. The, our failure to root ourselves in abandoned devotion for Jesus. We can get so caught up in other things in the work for God that we actually overlook or we neglect or we sideline this very, very important issue. So we're going to look at two of these seven churches because we find this issue of neglecting this first priority of abandoned devotion to Jesus. We find this in the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, the very first church that Jesus speaks uh, a letter to, and then the very last church, the church at Laodicea, uh, the seventh church that Jesus highlights. So let's start with Ephesus. So to the very strong and influential church at Ephesus, Jesus affirmed many wonderful characteristics about them. 
He actually highlights that you are doing very, very good work. He loves their hard work. He loves their efforts. He loves their faithfulness. He loves the fact that they're calling out false prophets for what they are. He highlights all these very, very good things about them. And it's important to understand about the church at Ephesus in that day. It was, it was basically the mother church of, uh, of the ancient world. And so when these other churches would look for, okay, well, what's kind of the best church to, that we should follow after, that gives us the best example of how to be the church of Jesus Christ, Ephesus in the ancient world, in this time, in the first century, Ephesus would have been that mother church, that example church. It was the largest. It was the most influential church. So Jesus highlights many wonderful things about them. But then he has one thing that he says against them. And it happened to be the most important thing. They had lost their first love. They had replaced vital heart connect to the king with their hard work for God. How common is this today? It's very, very common actually in the global church. A lot of people working really hard for God. They have good motives. They're sincere. Uh, they, They want to be faithful to the Lord. So they're working very hard. But... What often happens is the inner spiritual fire has often long since died out. So at one point, they were zealous. They were on fire for the Lord. But then that started to dwindle, and hard work for God replaced this intimate fellowship uh, that the Lord wants us uh, to have. Now let's look at the seventh church, the church in Laodicea. It's a very similar situation, but with a very different application now in the church of Laodicea. So it's the other one of the seven that's dealing with the same issue of a people that is starting to move away from the foundation of abandoned devotion to Jesus. Now, in the church at Laodicea, they were a very wealthy church. So Ephesus wasn't necessarily uh, very wealthy or affluent, but Laodicea was. It was very wealthy and very proud. So they had become to rely on their money. They had begun to rely on uh, what they saw as how good they were as a church. They felt like, well, we can kind of get some things done with our money, with our abilities, with our skills. We can do some good things for God. And so they were relying on their abilities and money instead of depending on the Lord himself. And so what does Jesus say to this church? He actually has one of his strongest rebukes out of all the seven churches. He rebukes them for this lukewarmness, as he calls it. He says to them, I would rather actually that you be hot or cold, but this in-between state of you being lukewarm, he says, this is actually hurting you, and it's hurting me. It's hurting my heart, the Lord would say. But then he would say, it's it's actually hurting you too, because I created you to be red hot for me. I created you to be full of zeal, full of fervency, full of wholehearted love, but you've replaced that with lukewarmness, he would say. And so he says, I don't want you to be lukewarm, or else I'm going to spit you out. And you remember that that famous verse. So again, how, how common is this in the global church today? So a lot of churches and believers have settled into this kind of complacent, lukewarm, lethargic. We're kind of spiritually dull and, and, and really we're bored. We're bored in the kind of Christianity, the existence that we have. And this is anything but what the Lord intended. The Lord said, I have something so incredibly different for you and I want to empower my church to walk in these kinds of ways, this abandoned devotion. Now, let's apply this to mission mobilization. So is it really realistic 
to think that a whole army of believers and churches is going to arise in our day and engage their lives in the fulfillment of the Great Commission among all these remaining ethnic people groups that we just spoke about? Is it realistic to think that is going to happen if these believers, if these churches are not sold out with wholehearted devotion for Jesus. If we look like the church at Ephesus, where we work, we're working really hard, but our hearts have swayed away from vital connect with Jesus, or we're like the church at Laodicea, who has gotten kind of proud in our own abilities and become lukewarm, become complacent, become lethargic, become dull, the Lord says, I can't raise you up the way that, the, the way that I want to. And the Lord would say, I don't uh, uh, uh. It's not that he's afraid to use us. I was going to say, uh, I'm afraid to use you, says the Lord. It's not that. It's that those types of people will find it very difficult to be effective for the Lord over the long haul. And so the Lord says, no, I'm, I'm preparing my church. I'm wanting to root my people in something very different. So the answer to that. Uh, is it realistic to think that a whole army of believers and churches will be mobilized for, ch for, for the fulfillment of the Great Commission if they're not sold out? We know the answer. It's, it's of course not. That's not a realistic. Now, will such a group be effective influencing those unbelievers who are steeped in Islam, unbelievers who are steeped in Hinduism and Buddhism? Is it realistic to think that lethargic churches and believers Churches and believers like Ephesus, who maybe were once hot, but now they've replaced that vital heart connect with the Lord with just working hard. Are they going to be able to really see the nations among these, these, uh, these Hindu and militant Islamic people? Are they going to see the gospel planted in a realistic way? Again, we know the answer. The answer is, of course not. That's not a realistic thing to assume. So what is it that Jesus is after then? Well, he's after a generation of believers and churches from every nation across the world that is consumed with love for their master, who's consumed with allowing him to have his way in our lives. So subjecting our will to his will, uh, he's looking for those who are red hot in zeal for God. That's what we talk about with this abandoned devotion. He's looking for those who are dead to self. He's looking for those that are alive to God. And he's looking for these who are willing to sustain this kind of lifestyle for the long haul with perseverance. So among these uh, remaining people groups that are left, it's not realistic to think that we can just kind of go in with the kind of the old traditional short-term model uh, and really see the gospel planted. No, we must incarnate for sometimes long periods of time the gospel in those places through us as message bearer teams. And so the Lord is asking for us to sustain these things for the long haul, not just for a weekend trip or a, a one-month trip or even a one-year. In many of these places, we need this, this zeal to, be, uh, to, to, to really be walking out in a perseverant kind of way to have the perseverance that, the God is, uh, that God is after. So it's only through this kind, I call it a company of people, that Jesus is looking to partner with to see the literal fulfillment of the Great Commission. So that's why sometimes we have to be very aware in our mission mobilization that the Lord is really after a certain type. Now, we don't always know on the surface who those people are because sometimes they have this abandoned devotion under the surface, but often the ones that look the most qualified 
aren't necessarily the ones uh, that the Lord has selected for this purpose. So this means that in our mission mobilization, one of our greatest and yet most overlooked roles in mobilization is to call Jesus' church to wholeheartedness, to call Jesus' church to pursue him with what we in GMMI circles, we call this abandoned devotion to Jesus. So that means that mission mobilization isn't just about waving the flag of the unreached. Yes, that's important. We bring uh, emphasis. We help people recognize who they are, where they live, all those kinds of things. But that's not the only thing we do. We don't only highlight the importance of reaching the world for Christ. Of course, we do that. That's part of mission mobilization. But at the same time, and maybe even more of a priority initially, we're actually calling churches, we're calling believers to pursue uncommon depth in Christ. Where believers and churches, they're living surrendered, broken lives poured out upon the Lord. Because the Lord says this is the only way to effectively serve all of these unreached peoples that he says, I've bled for these. I went to the cross for them. I love them. I rose from the dead. I want to give them redemption uh, and the life that... Uh, they've always been looking for. So it's very, very important, our mission mobilization. Our, our an often overlooked message is this call to wholeheartedness after Jesus. Now we must remember that the Great Commission is actually a natural outflow from the Great Commandment. So Jesus gave the Great Commandment, right, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 7, and he says, You shall love the Lord your God, with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. So over time, this, is uh, this has become known as the great commandment. Okay? So this is the foundation. We love God with all of our being. These four areas, heart, mind, soul, strength. What, this, what Jesus is pointing out here is to love me with your whole being. And for that love towards me to be increasing uh, day by day, week by week, month by month. Then, out of that overflow of this heart for Jesus, this growing abandoned devotion, then we serve out of that overflow, we touch unreached peoples. So the Great Commission isn't first. The Great Commission uh, comes as an outflow or an overflow of the Great Commandment working in our hearts. So let's ask ourselves, what is this wholehearted type of devotion really look like? What is this about? What it refers to is an unconditional, wholehearted surrender to become, becoming like Jesus in every way. So we say, Lord, no matter what it takes, I'm willing to become like you. I'm willing to be filled with your life. I'm willing to be filled, Jesus, with your Holy Spirit. I'm willing to be marked by love. Lord, do whatever it takes to get rid of those prickly parts of me, those rough edges uh, in my life. I want to be marked by love. I want to be marked by obedience. I want to passionately pursue your presence. I know it's your presence that touches people's hearts. I want to be filled up. I want to be a carrier even of your presence. This is a little bit about what it looks like to walk with abandoned devotion to Jesus. Now let's look at these words for a moment. Let's consider the words abandoned devotion. What does that mean? Abandoned. What does this word means? mean? Well, it means forsaking or forgetting someone or something. So when we abandon something, we forget about it, right? We, we forsake it. We leave it in the past. That's abandoning something. And then our devotion refers to, this word devotion, it's getting at profound dedication. The idea of complete consecration, 
I'm dedicated to whatever I'm devoted to, right? So abandoned devotion then is to forsake all else in pursuit of Jesus alone. So we are abandoning those things that might mean a lot to us, that consider uh, or, or that are very important at a heart level to us. We give them a lot of priority, but they actually are getting in the way with our heart connect with Jesus. So to abandon, have abandoned devotion, the Lord says, I want you to forsake everything that is dear to you that interferes with your ability to walk in abandonment or wholeheartedness uh, to obeying me. So abandon describes then the totality, the extent of our devotion. We're abandoned unto him. So that means that our devotion is no longer casual. It's not, no longer comfortable. It's no longer con convenient. We don't do it just when we feel like doing it. We do it with abandonment. All right? We follow him with abandonment. So this kind of devotion actually calls us to consecration at a level that costs something. Right? It costs us our time. It costs us our money. It might cost security. It might cost some friends. Some of our friends might not understand why we feel we need to dedicate our lives to Jesus to this degree. And they might say, oh, you're, you're being kind of radical. We say, no, we're just trying to follow Jesus according to the biblical model and what he asks of us, uh, the way he asks us to follow. So we don't only respond in our devotion when it's convenient, but instead, right, we surrender everything uh, to Jesus. So this is how we were created to live, actually. God created us in such a way to live with wholeheartedness, to live with this kind of abandoned devotion. And the reason he did this is because living like this provides us the greatest sense of freedom, true freedom. It, it provides us the greatest sense of, of satisfaction, what it means to be truly content at a heart level. The lukewarmness of the Laodicean church, they weren't satisfied by that. They were content with it in terms of the fleshly contentment, but in terms of what their spirit, their heart was crying out for, uh, they were wanting something more, uh, and yet the Lord called them uh, into this situation. And so God has set up his kingdom so that human beings live in total submission to his rightful rule and reign over our lives. That's abandoned devotion. So not with one foot in the world and one foot in, in the kingdom, trying to kind of live life my own way. The Lord says, no, no, no. I have created you in such a way in my kingdom that I want to rule over you, not because I'm some kind of power-hungry God, but because I've set things up that the human heart re responds best when it's connected to me who's ruling and reigning over you. And that's how I want you then to live. So we see here that Jesus is the rightful ruler and the owner over all the earth and over all the human beings that are in the earth because he was obedient to go to the cross. So he says, I've purchased you. I love you. I love my people. And as we're mobilizing for mission, he wants us to call believers and call churches, not just to kind of be a little half-hearted and go on a nice missions adventure. No, he says, I want you to be abandoned unto me. And then out of the overflow of that abandonment, you will bless Muslim people groups. You will bless uh, Hindu people groups. Now, a crucial step in this growing and abandoned devotion is overcoming what I call the self-life. A lot of people understand that term, the self-life. So we have, working on the inside, a lot of self-absorption, a lot of self-centeredness, a lot of self-emphasis, a lot of self 
focus. And so this self-life actually stands in the way of our growing and abandoned devotion. If we allow, allow the self to rule and reign over us, it's going to be very difficult or a lot more difficult for us to grow in this abandoned devotion, for us to grow in obeying the Father. And the reason behind this is, is because self wants to justify itself. Ju self justifies its own way. It stands up for its own rights. Self wants to seek its own glory. But instead, Jesus says, no, 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 I want you to put down those areas of, of the self-life. I want you to crucify those through my cross. I want you to be dead to those areas so that my life can freely flow through you. So no longer are you full of self-centeredness. Now your centeredness is focused on me and on my kingdom. And you're changing and moving out of the self-centeredness into focusing on what I care about uh, and what I want to do. And so the Lord has given us power to overcome self, to deny self, and to submit to God's ways related uh, to this abandoned devotion. And so Jesus has given his authority through the cross. He's enabled us, you and me, and all the people we want to be out there mobilizing. He's empowered us to, to be able to lay down this self-life and take up this abandoned devotion kind of a life. He's made it possible through his own death and resurrection. That's part of what he uh, uh, kind of produced for us through going to the cross. Now, it's tempting to think that this life of abandoned devotion, you know, it's, it's just too hard. It's just too costly. You know, Jesus set these real high standards, and can, can any of us really meet them anyway? And the answer to that is no. In our own strength, we cannot meet those things. That's why we need his power, his death, his resurrection, the power of his Holy Spirit. We need him working on the inside of us, enabling us to lay down self, enabling us to take up uh, this abandoned devotion because it's really not that costly at all. Now, it is costly to the flesh, but it's not costly in terms of a heart that's saying, God, I want to live for you. I want us to be surrendered to you. I want you to have your way and you to take all the glory in me and my life. If that is our heartbeat, then it's really not very costly. It, but it is costly when it cups up, comes up against our flesh and we have to lay some things down. But this is the way that the Lord has actually called us to live with this kind of abandoned devotion working on the inside. Again, in the big picture reason is first so we can love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That has to be priority. But then so that the overflow of that love for God in complete surrender through us as broken vessels laid down at the altar, poured out among these unreached peoples, God says, okay, I can pour out my life upon the unreached through people who are willing to walk according to my ways. Not necessarily just through those like the Ephesus church or like the Laodicean church that had that lukewarm kind of spirit. So this is what the Lord is calling us to. In this first episode, as we consider mission mobilization, we wanna always come back to the foundation that the most important message in mission mobilization is not merely go reach all the people groups, okay? But the most important message is, let's go hard after Jesus. Let's search our hearts. Let's evaluate our hearts. What are the things that are in the way? What are the areas of self that are keeping me from fully being abandoned 
and fully being devoted unto the Lord in completeness. Let's call churches, let's call believers to this kind of devotion to the Lord, this kind of true discipleship, being willing to walk in this way with Jesus, because then it's not that hard to mobilize them. It's real hard to mobilize people that are a little casual, a little lukewarm, but if we can get them fired up for Jesus and walking with Jesus wholeheartedly, then the mobilization aspect of it actually becomes a lot easier. And I've experienced this over many years now of walking in mission uh, mobilization kind of ministry. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are calling us to be a people of abandoned devotion. Lord, but more than that, you're calling us to mobilize your church. You're calling us to see believers in every nation Lord, who will become message bearers for your kingdom among unreached people groups. Lord, you're calling us, Lord, to speak the message of wholeheartedness. Lord, to raise the bar a little bit of what it is to walk in true discipleship. Lord, to lay down our lives in truth, in reality, to follow after the one that has given everything for us. Lord, it's not too costly for us to follow you in this way when we see you from the right perspective. Lord, that you are worthy of our living entirely for you. You've given us everything. You've given us salvation. Lord, the only right response to all of the good things that you have given is a heart poured out in abandonment, a heart poured out in full devotion, a heart poured out in consecration that says, I'll do whatever you want, Lord. Your master, I'm your bond slave. I'm your bond servant. Lord, help us, Father, as mobilizers, Lord, to raise up a generation of message bearers across the body of Christ, Lord, that are marked with this kind of passion for you, that are marked with true abandoned devotion for Jesus. We thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So I hope you've been encouraged by this first uh, episode. Look for many, many more uh, in the coming weeks, in the coming months. The Lord bless you. To listen to more Mission Mobilization Chats, subscribe on YouTube or go to globalmmi.net.